0: Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, it's an actually privilege to be able to share this creative, inspiring learning. If you'd like to keep up to date with everything that's happening here on the show, if you go to educationonfire.com, there you can put in your email and we'll keep up to date with all the episodes and also any other projects and, and things that we're involved in. Now today I'm chatting to Damien Mitchellmore, and he's from Alevi. Improving the learning outcomes of all children is at the heart of Alevi's professional development programmes. Their suites of highly effective and practical teacher programmes and leadership and education training programmes have become an integral part of the engine of improvement used in schools throughout the UK and worldwide. Now Damien was a history teacher and deputy head for 12 years. He believes that swooping in and solving problems for staff isn't the answer to help schools tackle both current and future challenges. Educators are predisposed to want to help people achieve their best. It goes with the territory, but school leaders that try to give colleagues all the answers are not providing their team with the tools to succeed. In the same way that we understand that tying the shoelaces of a year two pupil before break will get them out to play faster, it will not help them in the long term and we need to adopt a similar approach to overcoming other issues in a school. If we can empower pupils to solve more issues themselves, staff and the pupils they teach are happier, more motivated and ready to face the most complex challenges. And it's these programmes that Alevi has developed to help a range of people throughout the education system. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Damien Mitchellmore talking about Alevi. Hello Damien, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast podcast. One of the things which has become apparent to me in recent weeks is the the whole idea of of how we learn, how we teach, how we bring the philosophies of learning, both in terms of of modelling it, in terms of the people that we're actually supporting, and also how we get those skills, which isn't necessarily on the track that you get just by sort of naturally going into education, being a student, becoming a teacher, and then getting to that sort of leadership role. So this is going to be a fascinating conversation, hopefully covering many of those areas. So yeah, thanks so much for being here.
1: My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So why don't we start with, with your journey in terms of, of that kind of education route and, and how that sort of then sort of morphed into what you're doing
1: today? OK, yeah, thank you. Um, so as with many teachers, and it might sound quite um, common, but it's actually true that um, my mum said from the age of about four, I always wanted to be a teacher. I think there was about six months where I wanted to be a fireman. But besides that, I always wanted to be a teacher when I was very passionate about history, um, studied history at university, then went on straight to do my PGCE straight into a um, school. Um, worked in three schools. Um, my last school I was deputy head and head of teaching school um, and really spent my time really passionate about teaching and learning and how to develop an ethos of really building a, a, an ethos and a, an empowerment around teachers um, so they really could could do their very best for the students that they work with. So. Um, I did that for about 16 years and had the opportunity when I was when we were about to have a family um to move over and work with um Alevi um as a coach and facilitator for them. We had we had brought Alevi into our schools um to provide some training for our teachers. Um the school that I went to was a great school, um, but it was really focused on um exams, making sure that they got the got the students um, the very best results that they could. Um, and I think it would be fine for me to say that actually they, they almost lost the focus on the experience, the teaching and learning experience. They really focused on the outcomes for the students. And as a result, some of the experience that they had and the focus on teaching and learning wasn't quite what it needed to be. And as a result, actually teachers were working harder and harder and harder. I heard this term intervention, um, which I didn't really know what it meant because um, it wasn't a, a, a word I was familiar with, but, it, but basically it was getting teaching the students that again. Um, what they had learned in lessons perhaps wasn't quite as good as it should have been, um, and they were having to teach it again nearer to the exams. So I saw that really we needed to shift that culture and make sure that what was taught in the lessons was really quality, um, to make sure that hardworking staff weren't working even harder. Um, And also, I saw that there were pockets of great practice, but also areas that needed developing. Um, And Olivia was clearly the answer for that. it really helped to pull our teachers together, pull a culture where people were collaborating and felt empowered to make their own decisions moving forward. And what happened over those over those five years of being there is that the school was transformed. So not only um, the Ofsted grading um, moved to outstanding, um, we kept our best teachers. Um, we started to be much more outward facing in terms of supporting those schools around us. Um, but it was just a much happier and uh, and um, more aspirational place to work, more inspiring for those around, uh, for for everyone that was part of it, um, from the students to the teachers to the families, and we supported. So um, it was really then that I saw the transformative impact that Alevi had, um, and there was an opportunity to go and work for them. So I stepped over and worked for them, just as we were. Um, I was moving on to being a, a father of twins um and I've been with them ever since um and been working with you know literally hundreds of schools thousands of teachers um over the last few years um really understanding what they want to achieve um and supporting them in doing that and
0: I think when you have that experience of like you say you've you've been there you've understood the job you know the pressures you know everything that's going on um you're able to take that obviously directly in from from what you're then able to do when you're when you're working with a levy and and you're you're not the first person to, uh, to, to say that you were almost kind of um, like their PR person from when you were in education to then actually then working for them as an actual job. That, 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 that's come across a few times recently. And I think that's kind of that's kind of the best thing you can do, isn't it? And the best thing you can say, because it just gives you that sense of, I know it inside out, I know it's worked, it's transformed, you know, my situation, and I know exactly how that can can then work for other people in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When I talk to people and and often what, what we do is we'll get, you know, don't take my word for it go and speak to some schools that are working with us. So really our, yeah, our impact is the people that we work with and the places that they have influence on.
0: And so just sort of walk us through a little bit in terms of, of what a school would experience if they're going to be um, working with you in terms of sort of your sort of starting point and that assessment of, of what they, I guess they're trying to achieve and, and, and how that sort of works as a, as a, as a programme.
1: Yeah, so um, if a school would, uh, would approach us, we'd normally be talking to the head teachers, the CEOs um, of that school and we'd really try to understand what it is they're trying to achieve. Um, what's the dream? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Um, truly understand their their personal drivers, but also the drivers of the school. Um, but also link to that is you know what what does it really look like? What does ten out of ten? What does um, what does amazing look like in relation to that? Let's just not even worry about where we are now, and then and then and only then would you talk about where we are now. So try and break down and get that real acceptance of not where they would like to be but actually where are they right now so looking at aspects of what's the quality of teaching learning what's the quality of leadership what's the quality of communication and culture within their organizations so that really carefully unpick we would carefully unpick and explore elements of an audit around those three areas to really understand not only it is they're trying to achieve but where are they now and then it would be really looking at what's our plus one what's our next step to do that and sometimes it's removing some very obvious barriers but then it would always be what the school would first experience would be really us working with their best staff so who are the key people who are the key change agents within that organization that we want to engage equip, empower to move things forward. Um, too often schools will focus on the problem, trying to fix a problem, um, so they'll put all their, all their um, resources, their, their their best staff will be working with those that are least performing, whether that's least performing students or least performing staff, um, rather than putting their attention into the solution. So building an and empowering those people that um, will be able to work with those staff on a day-to-day basis, um, whether it's their um, the middle leaders that um, they work for or um, people in their department. And
0: I probably do know the answer to this already, but I'm interested to know, that the people that come to you, are they the people that have, you know, like I say, maybe had a change of head or they've just had an inspection and they're kind of there's a need for improvement on that kind of you've been told there's need for improvement so we need to do something or or is it just so maybe sometimes a sense of it's not quite clicking or like say the atmosphere is not as I want what can we do to change it? I'm not quite sure sort of yeah what sort of people sort of then get in touch
1: yeah varied so the context of the school and the starting point of the or the starting point of the trust will, will be really really different so um, we've worked with We've worked with schools that have had three inadequates and actually is it, the, the parachuting of experts hasn't worked. Um, and you know, they've got a new head in that actually wants to take a different tack. Um, or there's the outstanding school that keeps getting in um, or Ofsted or another inspectorate coming in and telling them they're great, um, but they want more. So it's all the ones that have got to a point where actually we've got to where we are doing one thing we're not sure what's going to take us to the next step um so it's those that are really want to build a culture where high performing people are empowered to um innovate be creative be curious um, and they want to build a culture where staff feel really valued um, and invested in.
0: And it often seems to me there's sort of there, there are two sides to a coin that people sort of um, either look at. One is the kind of I know it wants to be different, but we're kind of we are where we are and it's not terrible and it's kind of working, but we're not quite sure. And those other people who look at it and say, look, I want to be fearless. I want to create this atmosphere. I want it to be everything it possibly can be. And that kind of fearless approach often, like you said in, in, in your sort of school example, the grades improve, the results improve, the atmosphere improves, the, the quality of teaching and, and the kind of the 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 ethos of what you're doing all happens as a sort of a net result of that. And it's sometimes just a question of looking at it slightly differently, realizing what you can do can make in a big impact rather than feeling like if you change something, it might get worse rather than actually getting better
1: yeah and I think you have to you have to trust your staff and you have to trust yourself that yes you can build in those those places to um monitor and control but actually that will only get you so far really you have to trust your staff you have to open up you have to take risks um and that can be quite chaotic and quite messy um but it's about that constant conversation and support and challenge with people that will make sure you keep on the right track.
0: And this sounds like, well, I can see exactly how it works with an education as you've described it. But I, I guess the philosophy works, you know, in business in sort of organisations um, across the board. It doesn't necessarily have to have just that purely sort of educational bent.
1: No, absolutely. So Alevi works with um, a couple of NHS trusts, but also the MOD. Um, And yeah, it can work with with all different organisations that really want to, um, as I've said, build a sense of inspiration, of aspiration um, and of determination to achieve whatever they want to achieve. So, and that's what I suppose is so powerful about what we do is that we don't believe we are experts in anyone else's context. So, Yes, we have a body of knowledge. We are lucky enough to be speaking to endless amounts of inspiring leaders and um, and great and great places um, over the last fifteen years. Um, but we aren't experts in anyone else's context. So all we can do is ask people powerful questions, share research, share um, our case studies and and examples from other schools. Um, But it's about changing people to, you know, change their knowledge set, yes, but also their skill and and mindset so that they want to try new things. They are curious. They are um, wanting to improve um, and feel empowered to do that. And these
0: questions and and kind of when you're sort of putting these things to to the people who are, who are taking part is it a question of having to go face to face is some of it online is it is it sort of a blended version of those things how does it sort of work on that practical basis and what sort of time scale are we talking
1: yeah so um often first engagement would be would be um online so um i do regular or any elements of my team we we'll do regular coaching calls and um, that can be used to monitor where we are with clients it will often be where we do that initial diagnostic of you know where they are now and what they want to achieve um and those and those termly catch-up calls um to monitor progress and to and to give advice and support um if necessary um Training can be done online, it can be done face to face, or it can be done in a mixture of all of those. Um, whatever suits um the school um and what's practical to move forward. Yeah, and I guess
0: that ties in, like you say saying- in terms of the experts are the people that are within that organization and i guess depending on the staff and depending on on any given person you know people react and respond in a in the best possible way in slightly different contexts in slightly different scenarios whether it's like I say being able to look someone in the eye or whether it's having the space to do it online or, mm. or and that kind of thing so i think and especially following the last couple of years that's i think becoming more and more apparent
1: yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's made it it's made the training, it's made the connection between trusts, between um within trusts and between Alevi and, and its clients m- possible um and for that to be more regular. And that's part of what we believe is that our programs run over a period of time. Um it's about making sure that there's there's time for input, inspiration, um, a commitment to action, but then there's also time in between for people to reflect and action in their own context what's been discussed and agreed um so it's made made that possible um in a way that if we were going to go to you know south america to do a piece of work then um now we can do a bit there a bit here um all online so you know what we don't do is our work isn't um e-learning um, it's all facilitated interactive sessions um, where that value based ethos is created either within the room or, or whether on Zoom. Um, and personalized care and questioning can happen with small groups that we work with. So we wouldn't normally work with more than 12 people. Um, and that allows the facilitator or the coach to really understand where that person is coming from, what they're trying to achieve, where they are now and help them to remove any limiting beliefs um, and really help them to um, articulate their next step.
0: And I think the powerful thing is when you kind of make that decision to start this process, it kind of, like you said, it sort of opens up a space where you can be reflective and you can I don't know. For for me, often there's sort of a sense of calm, where it's that kind of things are going to be different now, even if it's just we're thinking about it in a different way, or we've got options, or we're communicating in a different way. And um I think that sense of 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 peace, that sense of space, where you can literally just go, "All right," you sort of almost take a deep breath and, and lean into it, and and you just think. It can be different, but I can feel different about it. And also, it, it's not about this moment and everything is going to be different. It's about an ongoing dialogue. It's about an ongoing situation. It's ongoing reflections, which then sort of, I guess, um, bit by bit, then make an overall difference. Which, when you say you look back, you said, you know, sort of five years or so of, of being involved when you were in education from it, that the, the transformation becomes just so vast, just from all those little bit of conversations and those little changes that happen over that period of time.
1: Yeah, and I think it is about creating space for teachers and leaders to really think about, you know, and reflect on what they do every day. They don't, that that isn't necessarily built in, and it's not something that teachers would carve out for themselves. So often it does, does take um, them to step out of that and do something different. Um, To have that quiet time to really reflect and um, decide on what they want to do next. And and as you said, it doesn't necessarily need to be, wow, I've learned this new strategy um, that I've never heard of before. Sometimes it is about thinking about something in a different way or reminding yourself of what you used to do and why you're not doing it now. You know, how. And start to explore not just about what we do and the results that we've had but also what are our beliefs what are our values what's holding us back Um too often we focus on with teachers about what we do so teachers are great at magpieing ideas they're great at um, looking at data but actually sometimes it's about stepping out of that and really diagnosing the root of the problem or the reason um, or the issue
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually, because you only have to be um, on Twitter for five minutes looking through it. And like you say, that magpieing idea of, you know, a resource, I did this, I did that. How did you do this? And being able to pull that in, that happens so much. There's a lot less conversation, uh, unless someone's really struggling sometimes, about how are we, how are we fitting it in? how am I showing up as part of this, which allows all the all the sort of like say the content to, to actually work. I think that's a really important thing for us always to remember. Um, because there's there's so much that goes on also around the modeling in terms of how you're showing up, especially in your classroom, um, and sharing your stories and, and who you are and how you learn and, and maybe learning together rather than that sort of traditional kind of teacher at the front and mm. children at the back. And you know just starting with all that understanding just then filters through to everyone. And I think the children are the people that benefit the most from that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: So let's think about, um, is there a teacher that you remember or an education experience where you kind of know something really great has happened or a connections happened? but even if maybe at that age, you can't quite put your finger on it, there's always sort of something that you can remember that you think, yeah, there was something there that was fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah two spring to mind actually in two into very different ways. So um one was a primary school teacher um called um Mrs. Glover. She was um about five foot um and she was the first person I saw to be like pure sunshine. She was the objective for the day was always to be amazing and she built all of our confidence so much i was a terrible reader um i was you know in the for the years before i got myself into lots of trouble at primary school um but she really made the time to get to know me to get to know what i liked um and she'd find books she'd find videos that would help to engage me um and she just had that unrelenting positivity um, and kindness and I think for me that was that was really important Um, she had all the other things that great teachers have so she um, she was really good at what she did Um she was passionate about the subjects that she taught um, she broke things down so they were easy for us to understand but for me it was that real love of being with us um, and I suppose that's that's one of the things that um, you know it came for me from um my first head teacher um when I was an NQT um and she said they won't the kids won't care what you know until they know you care. And I think you know Miss Glover really encapsulates that for me. Um and then the second was Mrs. Cook, I suppose. She was she was a secondary school teacher, she was head of year, head of year nine um and she was my science teacher um and she was absolutely terrifying um i remember being a a year seven in the um in the canteen and um she shouted to my friend neil um and everyone hit the floor on their knees um she was absolutely ferocious um to those that didn't know her but actually in in class she was um she was really honest she talked about her experiences um and she had that unrelenting belief that we could do it before I just thought I was terrible at science my mum and dad said yeah we're terrible at science as well don't worry about that um but she was like this tiger teacher she refused to accept that I wasn't good at it um if the work wasn't good enough she'd tell me it was just she was just brilliant at removing all excuses and I think there'd been a few too many excuses made for me um at secondary school particularly um and she never did that she never bought into that so I think for those those are the two that really spring to mind
0: I love that and like I say, there's an honesty and an authenticity, which I think people connect with no matter what their personality is, like I say, and how ferocious they they, they might be. If you know it's coming from a place of authenticity, that they've got your best interests at heart, like I say, and, and that belief in you, even if you haven't got that belief in yourself. Yeah that that, it comes up time and time on the show you know it's about that personal connection you know and to have that impact on somebody to to have that belief to to be able to strive And, and and I really like that idea of that kind of you know not giving anyone any slack but but based on reality you know it's you know, we want you to do your best and, and those skills, you know, what you haven't said is she was um she was really good at the biology side or the chemistry side or like you say, the primary teacher, you know, she, the phonics was brilliant, you know, because while that may well be the case, like that isn't the connection, that isn't the thing that people remember and feel. And I think when we can start from there as educators, then I think we're, we've got a great foundation and making a real impact.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think there is there is a wealth of knowledge. And yes, it is about making sure we give people time to digest the latest theory and to understand the, the newest strategy. But actually, are we building the right kind of teachers that are resilient, that they are um, inspired and inspiring um, and they have the time to think? They don't just do. Um, and that's what those two teachers had. Um, in abundance and it looked really different and I think that's also what's important about for me about those two people is that inspiration doesn't look a particular way it's a state of being it's not a state of um yeah so it's not a style
0: yeah I love that and and i can certainly remember when i was at music college i had three very different teachers one was doing percussion one was doing timpani one was doing sort of drum kit and world music and they were big personalities with big jobs and very successful careers and is a sort of a sort of a late teenager who sort of started they think well i need to do it like this and i need to do it like that because this person said this and this person said that but of course they were all slightly different because they're different people but very passionate about what they were delivering but passionate about music and, and what they were up to mm. and what really struck me which, which is what you were just talking about is that there was some kind of slither of truth that was true of all of them And once i kind of started to understand what that was and what that connection was and what they were talking about above and beyond the technical side or the knowledge like you said i then started to sort of piece all that together which then basically created me you know i was i was hopefully you know the best version i could be based on all of those experiences that they had that sort of melted down into this this sort of pot of of me as a as a a musician and i think once once you can understand that i think that you really do start to feel like the world's your oyster but also it can be the world that you want to step into rather than being a version of someone else's um what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given or is maybe there a piece of advice you give your younger self now looking back from, <laughs> from that slightly older standpoint uh, with all yeah. the experience that you have
1: um so i suppose a piece of advice i would give my younger self would be um trying to st- try and distinguish between radiators and drains. Um, and that's for me, is spend time with people that lift you up, that inspire you, that you can learn from, um, rather than those that drag you down. Um, would probably be one piece of advice i give my younger self. Um, and the second in terms of teaching, I suppose one, one piece of advice that was really important to me, um, was that what I just said around um, the kids won't care what you know? Um, I was obsessing about, you know, did I know every piece of evidence that I needed to know about the A-level that I was teaching? Um, or was my um, or was my lessons planned meticulously? Um, but I suppose for me it was, do you really... Do they really know that you care about them and you value them and you're making the time to understand what they need? Um, And then I suppose as I moved up through leadership and I moved up into working for a Levy was, was really how my most important thing that I do is keeping the most important thing the most important thing. So that was my job as a leader was to try and get rid of all the noise and the gimmicks and the initiatives and the pressure from above to focus on my job was to make sure that the most important thing—teaching and learning, the experience of the students, and um, the welfare of the students, the well, well-being um, of all those people that were under my care—was um, the most important thing that we all focused on. And every teacher and every leader, that was that was that was what we were all um, driving towards. And I know that probably sounds obvious, but in a very busy school, that isn't always. Easy, there's other things to be thinking about. Lunch queue, you know, the heating's turned off, or um, endless, you know, parents. What, you know, actually, how do we really focus on the most important thing?
0: Yeah, because like I said, there's always a firefighting expedition yeah. on any given day, whatever yeah. that happens to be. Um, and I'm just curious, something just sort of struck me there in terms of what you were talking about in, in in related to change. So, you know, the sort of work you're doing with school, you know, there's an ethos change or a change of focus or a way that you're going about that, you're gonna have some resistance, I would imagine, with some staff um and compared to others how do you sort of go about supporting schools which know that actually maybe there's going to be a change of personnel here as well there are some people that you're going to want to get on board that you're going to try and support and and sort of encourage them in, into what you're trying to achieve but I guess there are also some people who just go this now isn't for me I want to do something different and, and so how do you sort of tackle those sort of two situations?
1: So I think the first thing is is that we would always work with creating a critical mass of people that buy into the ethos that we're trying to create, the role model day in, day out, what we're trying to achieve, what the school's trying to achieve. They have the skill set. They have the knowledge set. They have the mindset to push that forward and create some early successes. So they will help us to create the quick wins. They will help to create the buzz. um, And they will help to role model what it is we're trying to create success is contagious and i think if people don't necessarily go yes i've heard coaching it's not for me um no i don't want coaching i don't do coaching i just want to be told what to do um then actually what you do is you work on those that do want it that are have the have the wish to do that and then i slowly you'll get other people joining um the ones that want to be reassured that actually it does work and they're not the ones that prepared to take the risks Um, and I suppose what we're not saying is is that coaching and having that ethos is the only way to move move to that situation but I suppose getting getting people that do want it to buy into it other people will start to adopt it once they see that it's working and I suppose there's those that don't want to engage that, it, that it's not for them and I suppose that's a question for the school Um, it's a question we don't necessarily need to um, understand but we would work with those people and I suppose it's for us it's it's really change is hard and it's hard for people it, it's hard to change and it's hard to stay changed Um so what we try and do is understand those barriers whether it's a program first things we'll do is why are we here we will explore what are people's concerns and expectations um and in a coaching situation that's one of the things that we'll really do is really try and break down what are their drivers What, what do they like why do they like it um what are their successes why were they successful um try and understand limiting beliefs that might might be holding them back and i suppose one of the key questions we always ask is, is what you're doing serving you? You know, and push people on that to really understand, is it OK what you're doing right now? Is it is it serving you? Um, and is it worth trying something different?
0: And I guess so often we talk about meeting students and pupils where they are. Like you said, you know, your science teacher, you know, met you where you were, gave you that encouragement, you know, didn't give you a way out, and, and with that came the benefit. And I guess that's exactly what we're talking about here in, in terms of staff. You're going to have a whole spectrum of people from the, let's go get this, this is what I'm all about, to the, I probably will get on board, but I just need to see, like say, those wins, and I can need to see where that process is going, to even the most sceptical who actually, as they start to see it all change and start to feel different, because the environment's going to be different, will, will like it say, sort of start to gravitate in in a different way in their own time and i guess sort of meeting meeting them all where they are and accepting them for where they are i guess that just allows the process for everyone to be very organic and whatever the outcome of that it'll be the best fit for them and also the best fit for the school and i think that kind of takes that pressure off of kind of right now we need to rally the troops and it's all going to look different from tomorrow morning
1: and i suppose that's what we as a as an organization encourage is that there's a lot of in schools there's a lot of oh, we've got a gimmick, we've got a process, this implemented. And actually we would talk about that the being how, the strategy, the system are often put in before everyone buys into the the ethos, the vision, really understand why it's so important, galvanize that sense of urgency, um and really build people's confidence and skill set around it. So often people don't want to change because they don't feel like they can so what we try and do is really help leaders and teachers to understand what they're trying to achieve really get that connected community galvanized around a common ethos with a common language to talk about it um and then make sure that everyone feels secure and skillful enough to implement implement it start to trial those things and then and only then start creating systems and processes that might go across the school Um so often we get involved because oh yeah we've changed the appraisal system we have changed the appraisal system last year trying to create a coaching ethos we but we didn't train people on coaching or we didn't explain to people why we wanted to move from a more consultative you know consultative directive appraisal systems or more coaching based um conversations so it's then that i feel like we often often in the busyness of schools um that we don't necessarily make the time to explain to people what's what what we're trying to achieve why we're doing it and get people skilled up enough to be able to do that well
0: yeah and I think you know we often talk here on the podcast about you know education is a system changing and that kind of thing and but that comes bit by bit it comes from working with lots of different agencies it comes from a different mindset it comes from the fact that in so many parts of the world in different scenarios whether it's business or or other organizations what you're wanting if you don't know the answer to something is you need a teacher you need a coach you need to work out how it is that it how you can make that change when you don't have all the answers. And that's, um, that's a strength to be able to then find the people or, you know, say, find someone I like can leave you that can come and help you in, in in that way. And I think, like we said before, that sort of filters through, and sort of that changes education from the inside out, because the way that you're dealing as an organisation, the way you're dealing as a school, the way you're dealing as a teacher, the way you're, you know, it can be different, because you're morphing and modelling that, that's, um it's probably very subtle in terms of being able to write it down on a piece of paper, but, but we actually know that that's, that's going to sort of seep in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So
0: we all have a resource, which is um, important to us. And it might be a book, a video podcast song, anything that's, uh, that sort of has an impact on our, our life. Is there something you'd like
1: to share with us? Um, well, I think the one that the, The film that had the biggest impact on me growing up was The Empire of the Sun. um, Steven Spielberg's World War II um, film, epic, um, for lots of reasons, really. Um, It was the first time that I went to the cinema. It was the first time that... I really had a film that really moved me um, and talked about the real resilience of um, the human spirit. Um, It was a film about a a very posh kid from from China, an expat um, that was separated from his family at the the Japanese invasion and was put in concentration camps, saw unbelievable suffering and misery. um, But never lost his humanity never lost his resilience to be able to um to get out of it um and never lost his like wish to help and support those around him um and yeah it just was so inspiring to me um that i can't help but talk about it for weeks afterwards um whenever i Feel a bit down I always. Just think about that young boy um, and what he had to deal with, and yeah, that makes you feel a little bit grateful for what you have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and again, it's back to that how you feel, isn't it? And whatever medium that that is, and I, and I think that's why, whether it's whether it's a podcast, a book, it's a film, whether it's your teacher that makes you feel something. Mm-hmm. There's something about that human connection that makes you wake up and go, ah, oh, this is really important to me. This is the essence of of what i'm about and then from there you can take those decisions and those paths to to go forward and i think that's why some teachers are just so inspirational because they just they just wake something inside of you that just goes i want to follow that person or i want to follow that path or i want to find out more because i instinctively know it's it's the way forward whatever that way forward happens to be
1: yeah
0: So you mentioned resilience there. Obviously, one thing that's incredibly important on the podcast is our sort of FIRE acronym in terms of feedback, inspiration, resilience and empowerment. So when you hear those four words, what is it that strikes you the most and what is it that you think um, has the big impact?
1: Um, Well, when I saw those four words, I thought about being a parent. Um, I thought being a parent was about being a teacher. And I've realised over the last four years that... Being a parent is about being a learner. Um, my four-year-olds are very good at giving me feedback. Um, they're very good at inspiring me. Um, and they also test my resilience a lot. Um, but it's also about that they're the core things that I teach them and that we have that conversation about how do we, how do I find out what they really love and what inspires them? Um, how do I give them feedback that keeps them resilient and how do i fight all my instincts the instincts that we talk about with teachers is that our tendency to help um as a parent that seems to be magnified a thousand times over that um my my first word i want to say and i'm desperately trying to say it less is careful um i want them to feel empowered to be able to take risks to do things that um you know don't be careful be courageous so I think that's that's for me what I always think about is how do I really create that in the children in my children um and how do we do that with um with the staff and leaders that we work with so that they can they can do that for their students um so yeah
0: yeah, I really like that and, and, I, and I think it, it brings us full circle really nicely because what it reminds me of is that sense of we so often do what we we've learnt historically whether it's like say from parents or other teachers mm. it's also what we do out of habit now because it kind of works and it kind of is and, and like we talked about before about having that space and that idea of reflection just actually just it just takes the odd change of word or the bit of um, acknowledgement that actually, what am I trying to do here? How am I trying to get the best out of myself and and project that forward? And I think, in all of these situations, as soon as we as soon as we realize we're on the journey to doing that and i think one of the things you, you mentioned there which i think is certainly true for me as a parent as well is the fact that it's an ongoing journey and an on yeah. an ongoing conversation and it changes on a on what seems like a daily basis and i think that's true for teachers and educators as well so well damon thank you so much i really appreciate your time and your, and your thoughts on on all of this and uh, and just leave us with how people can find out more and get in touch if they'd like to
1: yeah so um you can get hold of us on um contact at levy.com or visit our website on www.levy.com and also we've got a free um, download that will talk you through some really practical steps around creating a coaching culture um, and you can download from the website so please get in contact thank
0: you fantastic thank you so much for your time and um, yeah best of luck with it as it progresses forward thank you thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com.
1: Education is not the filling of a pail lighting of a fire.